We are back in our series in the book of James this morning. Uh, our series is titled Evidence. And the question that we've asked is if we were put on, to be put on trial for being a follower of Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict us? Uh, once again, just a tough question, right? A tough question to, to answer. Um, and I pray that in my life that that would be the case. But uh, once again, just a difficult question. A Keystone family, if you have your uh, James notebooks, um, your uh, note-taking um, journals here, pick them up, pick them up, get them ready. Uh, we're going to be in James chapter 2 this morning. Our message is entitled simply, Play No Favorites. Play No Favorites from James chapter 2. Go ahead and turn there, right where you're at in your living room. Um, open up your Bibles, um, open up an app, whatever you need to do. James chapter 2 this morning is where we will be. And I do want to thank you. If you're here for the first time, uh, logging on to our services, just welcome. Uh, this is obviously what we're doing uh, during this COVID-19 um, outbreak. And so we're online every Sunday. We have opportunities throughout the week as well. If you'd like to connect with us uh, a little bit deeper, uh, there's a link there that we've posted in the comments where you can just click on that link, uh, give us a little bit of information about you, and then we'll reach out to you or add you to our list. We promise we will not overdo it with emails or texts or anything, but we'll just add you so you can stay in the loop uh, with what we're doing here at Keystone Church. James chapter 2 this morning. Uh, we're going to begin in verse 1. We're actually going to read 13 verses uh, this morning. So uh, stay with me. Uh, follow along in your Bibles. James chapter 1 and verse number 1 says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place while you... Say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised of those, to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality or favoritism, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one part, one point, has become guilty of all of it. I'm going to read that verse again. It's one of the most convicting verses of Scripture in the Bible. Look at verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Verse 11. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, uh, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment mercy triumphs over judgment this passage falls right in line with where we preached last week and what we preached about last week to conclude chapter one in the book of james verses 26 and 22nd 27 you remember last week if not let's go back real quick uh, james chapter one verse 26 says this if anyone thinks he is religious 
and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Look at verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James is speaking here to close out chapter 1 about our role as as followers of Jesus to love and serve and bless those uh, that are in our circle, in our community, who stand the most in need. The ones in our society who cannot ever return that favor to us. James says, take care of them. And then he follows it up immediately with an illustration in chapter 2, which is our text for today. Can we pray together briefly and let's jump right in to God's word. Heavenly Father. Use your word. Speak speak through your word today, God. I pray that we would truly be followers of you that would play no favorites, no respecter of persons. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I quickly want us to see this morning uh, just three main uh, observations from this text. First, I want us to see the folly of favoritism. The folly of favoritism. Look at uh, verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? This convicting illustration that James begins this this text with, uh, this rich man who shows up he says in your assembly so let's apply it directly to where we are Uh, this rich man shows up at at a church service at an assembling when we're able to gather again in person a a person walks through the door and you can just tell by the way he or she carries themselves uh, that they have a lot of money you can tell maybe by the the car that they uh, drove into the parking lot you can tell uh, by the 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 brand name of of clothes or the style of clothes that they wear you can tell that those clothes cost a lot of money the way they maybe speak or carry themselves they come across uh, more like an investment banker or or someone who works in the finance world and you you see that and you think man this is a well-to-do person and then another person shows up and Uh, This person looks like maybe they have on the only clothes that they own. Uh, Their jeans are a little uh, tattered and they didn't buy them that way, right? Uh, Let's make fun of all the young adults. Um, They didn't buy them that way. Uh, Their jeans look dirty. The shirt that they're wearing is a shirt that looks like maybe it's been worn a a few times since the last time they washed it. And they come in and they walk in and you could tell maybe they didn't even drive a vehicle. Maybe they walked. Uh, to the service that day. And these two people come into our assembly and to the well-dressed person, to the rich person, to the person whose socioeconomic status would be on the higher end, we extend the red carpet, the VIP treatment, the royal treatment as that person comes in and and everyone makes sure we greet them and, and we shake their hand and we look them in the eye and we welcome them to Keystone Church. And we even say, hey, can I help you find a seat. Can I put you somewhere where you'll be comfortable during the service? And so we find them a seat and maybe that seat's beside our family or or we find them just a, a great seat. But then the poor person walks in and what we do is if we're not careful, we, we, we kind of look away or we make ourselves look busy at the moment or we begin serving in other areas during that moment. 
or whatever it may be, we find a way to whether subconsciously or not, we find a way to treat the rich better than the poor. <coughs> Excuse me this morning. If we're not careful, we can let that happen subconsciously. But can I be honest today? If we're also not careful, we can let that happen consciously. Uh, treating people differently because of the socioeconomic status that they may or may not hold. James says that when we show favoritism like that, that we have made ourselves judges with evil thoughts. And my friend, can I say this morning that there is only one true judge, one true judge, and that is God Almighty, who will judge the living and the dead. And when we, when we show favoritism, we are putting ourselves and placing ourselves in a position that is only rightfully God's. God's. <clears throat> the Pharisees were trying to catch Jesus saying things that were contrary to Scripture. But they did so with cunning words. Look at uh, what they said to those who wanted to take Jesus down. Look what they said in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 16. And they sent their disciples to him. These are the Pharisees. Along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you do not care about anyone's opinion. Speaking of Jesus. For you are not swayed by appearances. For you, Jesus, are not swayed by appearances. Jesus went about his earthly ministry without being swayed by the appearances of others. He, he healed the sick no matter what they were wearing. He raised the dead no matter of their appearance. He fed the hungry no matter how they looked. Jesus looked past the skin. He looked through the outward appearance and he saw image bearers of his heavenly father. When others saw Saul, the murderer who persecuted Christians, Jesus saw Paul, the greatest missionary to ever walk the face of the earth. When others saw David, the forgotten shepherd boy, the forgotten brother, Jesus saw David, a man after God's own heart. When others saw a sexually promiscuous woman at the well, Jesus saw a trophy of his amazing grace who would go tell other people about how awesome Jesus was. When others saw a maniac there in Gadara, Jesus saw a healed man who went back to Decapolis and proclaimed that Jesus was his healer and savior to 10 cities. Listen, when others see Matthew, the tax collector, Jesus sees Matthew, the author of a gospel. And listen to me, if we're not careful this morning, Keystone Church and friends and family watching, if we're not careful, we will fall victim to looking on that outward appearance. We will fall victim this morning to just simply seeing people for how they look and how they appear. And, and let me just say this, that is anti-Jesus this morning. Jesus went about seeking after those who didn't look right. Jesus went about his three and a half year ministry drawn to those people. Just naturally drawn to them. I love this one when others saw Peter, a loudmouth, aggressive fisherman. Jesus 
saw one who would preach to thousands and would see thousands of people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Listen, this morning, we should not be so guilty as to judge a book by its cover. We should not be guilty of of looking at someone and, and placing value on their life because of the way they appear to us. It's favoritism. And James says, when you do this, you have made yourself a judge. You have put yourself in the place of God. And you know what he, you know what he follows it up with? A judge with evil thoughts. So you've made yourself God, but a God with evil thoughts. This morning, that's a dangerous place to be. And may I warn us this morning from the book of James, may I warn us of the sin of favoritism. The sin and the folly of favoritism. Secondly, this morning, I want us to see the reasoning against favoritism. The reasoning against favoritism, why? The why, correct? We always ask that question, and we're okay with that question Um, here at Keystone Church. We encourage you to ask the question, why? And we may not always have the answer to that question, why? Uh, Like your parents, right? Sometimes you ask your parents why, and their response was, because I said so. Uh, that's the answer. Um, and sometimes that may be our answer in faith that we have to just trust is what God said. But we are okay asking the question why because I firmly believe that Scripture so often tells us why. And here's what we're going to do today. Let's look at uh, verse 5. I believe it explains the why. Verse 5 says, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those um, who are poor in, this, in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he had promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? It's fairly simple what Jesus is saying here through the the pen of James. And James simply tells us that material possessions matter not in terms of faith and eternity. Material possessions this morning do not matter when it comes to our faith and our eternity. And since material possessions do not matter in faith and eternity, we must be willing and we must be actively looking past those to see the heart of a true image bearer of God. Every single person alive today on this earth is, a, is an image bearer of God. And no matter their socioeconomic status, no matter how much money or how little money is in their bank account right now, they are image bearers of God. I love the reasoning in verse 5. He says, listen, God has chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith. Hey, are we looking at the, at the temporary or are we looking at the eternal this morning when we look at people? Uh, he, he says also, hey, listen, I'm, I'm trying to reason with you. I'm trying to reason with you. Are the rich not the ones who are, are oppressing you? Are the rich not the ones who are dragging you into the courts? And he says, listen, just reason with me a little bit here. The poor are the ones we should be focusing on. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 9. Paul says, masters do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, speaking of God, and that there is no partiality with him. Aren't you thankful this morning 
that we serve a God and we were created by a God who shows no partiality, no favoritism. Hey, listen, God may have his favorites and you know what? You're one of them. And you know what? So are you and you and you and the next person in the feed and the next person in the feed and the next person in the feed. And so am I. Listen, God plays no favorites. We are all his favorite. We are all his favorite. And God, please grant us the grace to view every person with whom we interact through the lens of the gospel. Help us to view everyone that we come in contact with through the grace-centered lens of the fact that they are God's favorites this morning. May we reject our fleshly and natural tendency to look at people on the outward and to make a judgment or, or to make a, uh, make a value statement about them based upon their outward appearance this morning. May we treat them as Jesus would treat them. May we treat them as if they are a person that God Almighty created masterfully. May we treat them like they are someone that God cares about deeply. May we treat them this morning as if they are someone that Jesus died for specifically. You know why? Because all of those statements are true. All of those statements this morning are true. Thirdly, I want us to see this. The peril of favoritism. The peril of favoritism. Look at verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, that is those, that main law Jesus was answering, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you fulfill that law, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, then you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Forever, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point, has become guilty of all of it. For he, for he who said, do not, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. There's a lot here to unpack. And we're not going to be able to take the time today to do that. Um, but we will, we do want to hit on what the truth is in these verses. But may I say this morning that when we show favoritism, we are breaking the royal law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't it interesting that the book of James is built as a book of action and doing, and rightfully so. But isn't it interesting that throughout the first chapter and now the beginning of the second chapter, we tend to keep going back to love God, love others. Isn't it interesting that while there's a lot of doing and don'ting here in the book of James that, we're, that we've gotten to and we will get to as we continue on, isn't it interesting that over and over again we've already seen the theme of love God and truly love other people. Love God and love your neighbor. And when you show favoritism this morning, not only are you not fulfilling that law, but you are committing sin. 
It is sin this morning for you to look at someone whose skin color is different than your skin color and judging them and treating them differently because the color of their skin. And you say, Josh, it's the year 2020. Uh, Why are we still preaching about that? Because it runs rampant, maybe not from our lips publicly, but it runs rampant in the way we treat people privately. And it runs rampant in the way our families uh, view the way we treat other people in private. Listen, if we're going to judge someone based upon the amount of money they spend on an outfit or the amount of money they spend on a vehicle, and we're going to look at one differently than the other, we are in sin. Period. There's no way around it. And this morning, whether you're actively or passively engaging in this sort of favoritism, you must understand that it is a sin that needs to be repented of this morning. By the way, James clarifies that this sin makes us a lawbreaker. Makes us a lawbreaker. And he says this, if you break one law, then you are guilty of the whole law. Just because one says do not commit adultery and one says do not murder, if you only break one of those laws, you are a lawbreaker. That's tough. That's a tough one because though in our guilt, what it means is if we've done something as simple as a, as a little white lie, then we are guilty of the law. That's such a tough one. I, I do love the fact that, that Romans chapter 5 tells us if, that by one man that sin entered uh, Adam and, and we, we became breakers of the law because of our sin nature. But it also says by the same thing in one person, Jesus will all be redeemed and all be brought to, to Christ. Uh, Just an incredible theological truth there. But the peril this morning of favoritism is that it is sin. It is sin. Uh, And we must treat it as such. Showing favoritism to one over the other. Giving respect to one and, and more value to one than the other. It is sin. James ends this text with instruction... Uh, To speak and to act as one who will be judged under the law of liberty, of grace and mercy. The law of liberty, we've, in our connect groups, we've really discussed this deeply, but I believe it to be this new law, this new covenant that was ushered in. Remember, James is speaking to Jewish Christians, and they speak the language of the law, they grew up studying the law. And I believe this is James's way of relating to them in language that they would understand the law of liberty, this new law, this Jesus, this grace, this mercy. Very simply this morning, those of us who have experienced this incredible law of liberty, this grace and this mercy that Jesus Christ and him alone offers, we've experienced that grace and that mercy. Well, guess what? We ought to be freely giving the same grace and the same mercy. You see, how foolish would it be this morning for you or I to receive the grace and the mercy of God through Jesus Christ and be unwilling to view other people through that same lens of grace and mercy this morning? How foolish would it be for us to, to in our sin and our wickedness, to receive the mercy and grace of Jesus And then to look at another brother or sister, another image bearer of God and judge one and not judge the other or or, or show favoritism to one and no favoritism to the other this morning. 
Listen, that is so anti-gospel. It's so anti-grace. It's so anti-Jesus. And listen, it's not just about an in-person gathering of a church. This is uh, people you work with. This is people that you, these are people that you interact with in your communities. This is family. We ought to be no respecter of persons. Unfortunately, if you're like me, sometimes I find myself operating in my flesh. I find myself often showing favoritism. Sometimes it's subconsciously. Other times I believe consciously. And let's say this, may I say this this morning, that it is something that must be repented of. It must be repented of. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. May I say this morning, when you come in contact with one who maybe is lower on that totem pole financially, the one who doesn't look the part. This morning, instead of rushing to judgment, would you rush to mercy? Let me repeat that. When you come across someone in your flesh, you'd be tempted to judge or show favoritism. Would you, instead of rushing to judgment, would you rush to mercy? Listen, when you came humbly before God the Father, repenting of your sin and believing the gospel of grace, guess what? Jesus willfully chose mercy over judgment. Hey, we deserved judgment, but Jesus chose mercy over judgment. And we are no more like Jesus greater than when we show mercy over judgment, than when we, when we interact with people that are different with mercy instead of judgment. You say, Josh, you guys build yourselves as a come-as-you-are church. Yes, we do. We sure do. You don't want to know why? You say, well, that's not biblical. Oh, it's, it's, it's extremely biblical. I believe this is another text that shows exactly why we want to be a come-as-you-are church. For when you walk through the doors when we meet again, whether you're dressed to the nines in a brand new outfit and you're dressed up in a tuxedo looking like you're going to a ballroom dance or something, or you walk in in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops, we want you to know that mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If you're here today, and you're watching online and you've never experienced mercy. You know what you've experienced your whole life? Judgment. The weight of judgment, of judgment has, has just become so heavy. Whether it be by church. Whether it be by family members. Those that maybe you trusted and, and you were close friends with. And you felt the weight of their judgment your entire life. Can I say there's a better way? Can I say that there's a, a grace-centered way? Can I say there's a Jesus way? And that truth is simply this, that mercy triumphs over judgment. Jesus wants to show you his mercy this morning. Mercy is simply not giving you what you deserve. 
Can I be honest with you this morning, you and I and every person that's watching, listening uh, to this sermon, we all deserve punishment for our sin. The Bible makes it very clear. The wages of sin, the punishment, the payment of sin, it's death. We deserve to die, not just a physical death. We deserve to die that second death, the spiritual death, separation from God because of our sin. But Romans chapter 5 tells us God demonstrated his love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mercy. Mercy this morning. And listen, if you will humbly come before him and surrender and repent. Jesus came in the book of Mark. He came preaching, repent and believe the gospel, the good news. This morning, if you'll just repent and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. I don't care what, you, what you're wearing. I don't care how much money you've got in your bank account. I don't care who your friends are. I don't care who your mama, who your daddy, who your baby cousin is. I don't care if your grandma and grandpa paid for the church building. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you've never darkened the doors of a church before. It doesn't matter. This is you and God. You and God this morning. Mercy is greater than judgment. Mercy is greater than judgment, Christian. We should show mercy greater than judgment. Those who are not yet believers, mercy is so much greater than judgment. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, if there be someone watching right now who's never experienced the mercy and grace of Jesus, the good news of the gospel, God, I pray that right now as, as God is tugging at them, and they may not even understand what's really going on, even right now, if that's you this morning, would you simply send us maybe a direct message? Or if you'd be ever so bold, maybe comment. Would someone pray with me? Would someone contact me? about this. We would love to reach out. We'll call you. We'll, we'll, we'll message with you, whatever you want. But basically you'd come to a point where you'd say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that in my sin, there's a penalty and that penalty is eternal separation from God and hell. But Jesus, you came and you died on the cross. You were buried and you rose again. That's the good news of the gospel. I now repent of my sin and I put my belief and my trust and my life in your hands. I believe on the name of Jesus Christ and him alone to save my soul. Christians, I pray as we continue in prayer this morning that we would be a group of believers, a group of followers of Jesus who would show mercy over judgment. Mercy over judgment. May our default be mercy. May what we're automatically drawn to be mercy. May the Holy Spirit remove that fleshly desire, God, of judgment. And may we naturally be, be pulled towards mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out.
Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and all around the world. Visit keystonerdu.church to get involved.